We took a week off, and the Wolves promptly won four straight. Should we even be podcasting this week? We can't stop now. The team needs that top three pick. Welcome to episode 161 of Wolvescast, the show that already tried learning fluent Spanish to understand Ricky Rubio. It's hosted by myself and my brother, I'm Neil. I'm Scott. And that's not a lie. I, I uh, you know, I had Duolingo on during the Ricky Rubio's first era with the team trying to learn Spanish. I tried to learn Spanish in high school and college too, so I'm just like redoing the rudimentary levels, you know, the fundamentals I got down, but nothing better than that. But I understood Anthony's uh, Edwards comment that he wants to learn Spanish so he can understand what Wancho and Ricky are talking about, because I definitely did try to learn Spanish for Ricky in my th- past, so I, I get that. You're a Spanish pro in my mind, Scott. You you, uh, you took lessons through Minnesota Public Radio and stuff like that. I feel like you, you know lots of Spanish. Yeah, but if you don't practice it, it goes away. So, like, I'm, I'm decent, but I would not uh, advocate for it. Hold on. I'm sorry. Piper... <laughs> She's chewing on my headphone cords. <laughs> I don't know if we want to keep this in, everyone. My puppy Piper is chewing on my headphones because we're recording remotely this week. Oh, uh, yeah. We got a we got a dog who uh, just got spayed over there on Scott's end of things. So we are yep, uh, so Scott's got Scott's on dog her. babysitter duty, and uh, we're we're recording regardless. So you know, if you hear any uh, hound dog, or if you hear Scott say uh, Piper, no, then uh, that, you you know why. She has an issue with me talking into phones or something that's not paying attention to her. It's a real issue. Like if I'm on the phone, she'll start barking at me because I'm talking to somebody beside her. <laughs> so right now she's kind of attacking me because I'm talking to my computer instead of her. But we'll just roll on. You know, these are the kind of conditions that podcasting pros like ourselves can persevere through. You know, that's right. That's right. And it's, it's late in the season. You know, we're, we're just we're just chilling. It's all it's all in good fun. You know, whatever. The dog can be uh, can be part of this episode. You know, we we didn't have a show last week, as we already uh, as we already mentioned. So uh, you know, we, we can't delay another one uh, because of the puppy. We, we, we the puppy can be part of the show. It's fine. That's right. Did you have a good time in Disney World, Neil? I did. I was in Orlando for a week and uh, loving life. Weather was fantastic, and I just totally um, totally disconnected from the rest of the world. So it was pretty strange to like not look at my Twitter feed, like the Wolvescast Twitter feed, for like over a week, or you know, know anything about the team and stuff. It's it's very very different, but it's also like nice to kind of get away like that uh, every now and then. So so I took it all in. It was strange because I actually live tweeted a few games. While you were I couldn't gone. believe it. Thank you for doing that. Well, it was just a thing where, uh, you know, I had the free time because usually it's like I watch games on replay because my wife Meg and I like to watch TV together before she goes to bed. And then I have all the time, you know, because I'm a night owl too. Yeah. And stay up and watch games. But she just had different stuff going on. So I had the evenings free with me and the pup, Piper. We uh, watched a few games live and it's fun. It's uh, it's fun to be on Twitter. It's fun to live tweet. But I really forgot how much it stinks to be stuck with commercials and stuff. Right. Like I was always trying to fast forward and it would just mess up my stream and it's buffering because it's like you're already at you're already live, my dude. You know, so that's when you was, uh, uh, that's when you flip over to the to the Twitter right there during the commercials. Perfect time. 
It's true. It's just a it's a habit I'll have to learn because every time there's a free throw or a replay review or whatever, I'm my I'm, my instinct is just to automatically hit skip forward ten seconds or whatever, you know. Exactly. Um, but yeah, we're we're back with uh, Wolves Cast uh, today on the show. We'll talk about uh, the last couple weeks of Timberwolves basketball and um, and then a bunch of other things. We uh, we have read uh, the the KG biography book KG A to Z, uh, which is uh, in bookstores now, and we're going to give you a little review. Of that book, um, in addition Tim to Rolls some, Book Club. Oh, Tim Rolls Book Club happening right now. Yeah, and so a couple other news items to get to. Uh, we have a sponsor, and then uh, we're going to get back to uh, Degrade for Cade, which is our segment where we uh, take a look at the race to the bottom uh, of the NBA and uh, look to see where the Timberwolves are with only you know six games left. It's getting getting close to the end here, so we got to check in on that, and uh, we'll get to weekly Wolfies and the game. It's all happening. Right here, but uh, week recap, Scott. Since our last episode, the Wolves are four and two, twenty and forty six overall, twenty fifth in offense, twenty eighth in defense. Good for the twenty sixth best net rating. That's a little bit of a tick up, but they've had uh, that kind of week uh, again. Four in a row. While we didn't do a show, they won four straight. And then, some of those uh, wins were against teams that weren't even tanking. <laughs> That's right. We got some teams who are uh, battling for a you know play-in seed or something like that. So uh, mm-hmm. you know for sure it's uh, some some uh, some good wins in there. But yeah, it's pretty strange. I can't remember the last time we had a winning week, or I guess it's been two weeks now, a four and two, but uh, still pretty impressive. I mean, the Wolves famously, you know, for beginning part of the season, didn't win back-to-back games at all, except for the, the first two games of the season. And uh, and then finally, instead of just winning another back-to-back, they, they went ahead and won uh, back-to-back-to-back-to-back, four games in a row. Pre- pretty incredible stuff. Apparently, all we needed was to face the Utah Jazz, that, that oh, weak yeah. Utah Jazz team that everyone's clowning on this season. We got them. We <laughs> got their that number. Was- that was all we need. I mean, to be honest here, like I have a rule uh, when I'm doing my NCAA tournament bracket. If if Northwestern beat your team in the regular season, I'm not picking you to advance very far. <laughs> much madness. And the same rule is true now for the Utah Jazz. I cannot pick them to go to the conference finals even because any team that gets swept by the Timberwolves – they they can't be trusted. It's a sign of weakness for sure. I mean, the the, the um you know the flip side of that though is when the the wolves beat like the seventy three and nine warriors. Didn't they? When didn't they get one of those wins that year? They did, but those. But warriors I guess they didn't, didn't win, win the, the championship. Title. Yeah, that was the year they didn't win the title. I just feel like so, the wolves have like taken wins from the war from the dynasty warriors like in a few situations. It's like, man, how does that happen? Yeah, no, that's uh, that has been a running joke on the broadcast is how somehow the Wolves end up winning against Golden State at least once every year, and that also happened in the past two weeks. Well, where, when you're down you know, at the when you're down at the bottom, uh, you know we are the team that uh, you overlook. I feel like I feel like the Jazz. I feel like they just overlook us because they're just like you know what, this is one of the worst teams. We're one of the best teams. It's okay. No Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. We can just take the night off. If there's any morning you're going to cancel, shoot around, you know, and just be like, you know what, we got this. Especially back to back, man. I still can't believe that with the Jazz. Like totally. they, they saw our game plan, and then they came in and we beat them again. Yeah, they had all the incentive to get a revenge win back, uh, especially after we already beat them earlier in the season. But they still couldn't do it. The Wolves are just too good. And the Wolves' uh, defense is just uh, top of the league apparently. And uh, when we play Utah, uh, they they ain't got nothing on us. They did miss a ton of threes. I guess that's that's kind of the lesson here too. Is like if you you know it's kind of like a win win by the jump shot, die by the jump shot kind of thing. You know the Houston Rockets know that all too well. You know if you build too yeah. much of your game on on hitting threes, there's going to be games where you go you know three for thirty or something like that, and it's just like you have no chance in those. 
Well, it's kind of like how we were talking a couple weeks ago about how the Wolves' defense was just hemorrhaging threes, and we kind of yeah. said, like, some of these are well-contested threes. These teams are just getting super hot against us, and I guess this is the, you know, the karma that happens. The flip side comes through where eventually the good teams will get cold against you, you know? Or That's we right. could blame it on the Wolves' de- or credit the Wolves' defense for it. Uh, and, I mean, man, Steph Curry really tried in that Golden State game. He got pretty hot at the end of the third quarter there. But, uh, you know, the true talent of your Minnesota Timberwolves prevailed. We were just too much to handle. You can't stop a team that has Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I think I do think the defense was the most impressive thing. I mean, sure, there was a lot of shooting luck in that, uh, you know, in those, especially in those Utah games. Um, and, yeah, the law, of, the law of averages does come back around eventually. But overall, they, I mean, they just passed the eye test, too, of, like, scrambling and flying all over and covering for each other's man and all that stuff. So that was definitely uh, – the most impressive thing about the wins was like it didn't just come from you know you know winning you know one you know 135 to 133 or something it was like they were actually you know they were actually playing effective basketball on the defensive end which is just something we just literally haven't seen all season it was beautiful it was exactly what we talked about at the beginning of the season you know season spring training hopes are always high for every team and we were talking about how this Wolves team could have a top five offense. And if we could get it to like maybe a 20th ranked defense, we could compete for a playoff spot yeah. this season. Remember those kind of high hopes <laughs> that we had. But I said the way, the one way that this defense can be more than the sum of its parts is if we just are crazy chaotic, if, if we're ju- jumping in passing lanes, creating turnovers, because we just don't have the the personnel and talent wise to, you know, do the, we're going to stop you with our size and strength. That's not this team, but we have a lot of you know, guys with Wayne span, a lot of, you know, fast break kind of guys that we thought, well, maybe if this defense could succeed, it's through chaos. And that's what we had. We had all that hustle, you know, and man, it's just it, for fans of the Timberwolves, we've been watching terrible defensive teams, you know, for decade plus now. And most of the time it's just a bummer because people aren't even hustling. And so to see that kind of hustle at the last 10 games of a season where everyone's usually checked out, already booked their, you know, their vacation plans and everything like that, you see guys check out, but not here. We're, we're seeing the team playing better than ever. And they were doing that thing on defense, which requires so much effort and hustle. And to see that coming out of a Timberwolves team, oh, I mean, that was maybe my highlight of the season seeing that, you know? For sure. Great to see it. So, yeah, the Wolves have those uh, you know, three games. So they, they beat Utah twice, and then uh, they beat Houston. And then uh, about a week ago, uh, Golden State came to town, and uh, the Wolves beat them too, 126-114. to 114. I think this is one of the ones that you uh, tweeted about. But uh, we had the return of Andrew Wiggins right here, including including a video tribute. So, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't get to see the full – maybe they posted the full tribute, but I just saw the, on the broadcast that they you know, show, showed an element of it and showed Andrew smiling or whatever. But Oh, well-deserved, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Put up numbers. He's a, all over the Timberwolves record books. We all love Andrew. You know, he, we're happy he's not on the team. Those two things can be true. I mean, we're happy he's not on the team and we love him. So I'm happy to see that he got a well-deserved uh, video tribute. And yeah, if you could find it online, that'd be great because it was pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, the next day we played against the Pelicans. And that was that could have been another win. That's the thing is that uh, I think the broadcast was saying that the team was like seven minutes away from being a seven-game winning streak just because yeah. the kind of losses we did were all at the end of a game, you know and were close losses and same was true with the Pelicans I felt like we this was you know they had the lead for most of the game but I felt like it was a very close game we could have pulled out the win you know I feel like this happened before too with with um with New Orleans I think we even won the, the Wolves won that game though where it's just like 
And again, it was just like New Orleans has had kind of a disappointing year, and they, you know, they had that kind of game earlier in the season where the Wolves were able to beat them. Um, but this one, you know, they kind of clawed back and uh, you know got back in and got it to overtime, and then uh, finally won. But yeah, such a weird New Orleans team for sure. But uh, yeah, the Wolves are right there, and you know, I don't know if this one was so much of the, you know, so much of the good, great defensive <laughs> type of effort with the one forty to one thirty six final right, there, yeah. but with overtime, hey, of course. You but. tried to stop Zion, okay? Yeah, he was. Uh, you he was you a get one in the paint and crew. you stand in front of Zion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jim Pete calls him the one man wrecking crew, and he was just uh, getting to the free throw line and. Just, just, just doing it all, and then you know, um, you know, uh, uh, not Lamelo, but uh, his brother, uh, the older ball, Lonzo. Lonzo, Lonzo Ball, had career high eight threes in this game and a season high for points. That was that was pretty wild to see him uh, shoot lights out like that. He's been he's a very much improved player. Um, and you know, I guess Ant was just watching him because very next night, or not the very next night. Actually, we had a weirdly long break. Wednesday uh-huh. w- we played the Pelicans on Saturday, and then we had Sunday, Monday, and off. Tuesday off. I was like checking my score and being like this can't be right the Timberwolves can't have this many games off when online search the schedule I still wasn't sure if I was trusting it because <laughs> yeah who, who gets a break of three game three days in a season like this you know exactly and so it felt weird I was actually jonesing for the Timberwolves when they came on last night I was just like finally got this red hot Timberwolves team back that we can watch and Anthony Edwards pulled Alonzo ball hit a career high eight threes I believe yeah eight, game. eight yep eight and nine so, uh, yeah, it was a loss to Memphis. I guess if you're done with the Pelicans, we can move on to Memphis. And yeah. Like you said, this is one of those teams that was really battling. This game meant a lot for them because they're in the play-in picture and they want to get out of that and hopefully get into you know the playoff picture. So it was a very important game for Ja Morant and the crew. And uh, <laughs> I, I thought for a minute there because Ant, uh, we were talking about Ant facts on the broadcast and then they were talking about Ja Morant and I thought maybe we might get a Ja more Ant joke <laughs> or something like that. You more, know? Yeah, you said the dunk on him or something like that to get that. Right, exactly. That's Ja more Ant. <laughs> the job more ant one or something like that but uh either way we had we lost the game but man what a spectacular night the best night of his nba career for anthony edwards yeah career high uh scoring he was uh he was cannon threes he was uh it was just just a really nice you know sort of full game for him uh, you know, just kind of doing it all over the floor. I mean, again, he's had he's had just a great spring here, a great stretch, and uh, yeah, in this game, forty two points. Um, uh, wow, is this correct? He had eight of nine threes in this game. Wow, eight of, eight just, of nine threes. We so just said that. We just said that about made. Ball, but he did it too. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Ant saw Ball doing it. It was like I should try that out. He all, Ant also said a career high in assists. I believe he had seven. Yep. Seven and, assists, and six rebounds. Uh, he was yeah, crazy efficient. You know, seventeen this was the to kind twenty-two of night that everyone is saying that Ant can't have. I mean, this was the rookie of the year statement game for me, and maybe he needs to have a couple more of them over the remaining six games to you know finally get the national media to stop riding Lonzo Ball or I mean Lamelo Ball so much. But this was a, definitely a stand-up, take notice, vote for me. I'm the rookie of the year type performance. Yeah, and all three of these games this week, um, you know, they're all all against Western Conference teams trying to get into that play in or trying to raise their uh, you know their seed up or whatever. So you know, I think it was good to have the Wolves you know play these games, and it's kind of interesting down the down the stretch here as as we've seen in past seasons. You know, you get you know superstars sitting out and resting and tanking and stuff like that, and you know we'll we'll be facing uh, Detroit and uh, and Orlando here coming up, so we'll, we'll get a little bit of taste of that. But I don't think you can really point to these games 
even even in the the previous few games where we were winning them against Utah and and uh, and in uh, Golden State and stuff, and just saying these are teams who are trying. This isn't the lay down over playing the Wolves like type of thing. I'm pretty sure like these teams are going for it, and so I think it's pretty legitimate wins. You know, I don't think it's it's like it is in past seasons. You know, a lot of teams right now complaining about the about the play in and oh we got to you know who, whose idea was this and all the superstars coming out against it, which I think is kind of lame, but. You know, it does help these end of season team, these end of season games mean more because it's just not as, you know, pointless. And, and, and who are these guys out there? It's like pretty much real teams trying for it because there's so many, there's 10, 12 teams in each conference who think they could be in the playoffs. So I think it's going to help things overall and it helps these games feel more meaningful. Yeah, we're we're both very pro LeBron on this podcast. Greatest ge- player of our generation. Definitely yeah. a guy we root for. But Come on, cry a little more, LeBron. Just because your team, like LeBron, was all in favor of the play-in tournament until his team might be in it, then all of a sudden, you know, he's he's too big of a crybaby to just go out and win one. Like, come on, <laughs> if you if you can't beat like the ninth-seeded team in your conference, you think you're going to be able to win the championship? Come on, if you're a championship team, you're not worried about playing a play-in game. Come on. Yeah, and all these guys complaining. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Luke is too young or something, but yeah, especially LeBron. I expect him to sort of know better about how this is an energy entertainment product too and it's about the fans and stuff and it just makes it makes the end of this season so much more fun and it's it's about the viewership and it's about uh, you know just just making the games matter a little bit more and so it's surprising to me to, to hear him come out so strongly against it when there is this other side to everything like sure you as a player in the thick of battle maybe don't like it but you got to have you got to have your eye on both sides of the coin here and understand that's a business and this is going to be ultimately probably pretty good for business and good for fan engagement late in the season but in that I mean, in this that's typical thing, this typical that lull that we Cuban, have before the playoffs. Cuban and LeBron were complaining about it this week. They were both super for it, you know, less than a year ago. So <laughs> it's it's just different when it's you who's being in, affected by it, I suppose. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, Cuban came out and at least had the self-awareness to be like, I like the idea, I think it's good, but maybe not this season when we're mashing up all this shortened schedule. We're that having all sense. these games, like four games a week. Maybe this wasn't the season to try it. That makes sense. You know, I guess at least he has the self-awareness for that. And I'm sure LeBron probably has that a level of self-awareness too if he was pressed about it a little bit longer. Yeah, totally. Um, all I right, can't yeah. wait. I'm going to watch every one of those games. It's totally. going to be a ratings bonanza for the league. So yeah, you it's going to be like I'm, two days of just like amazing, amazing stuff, or like four days or whatever. I think it starts on the 18th. Um, so it starts on Tuesday, on Tuesday the 18th, and then the playoffs begin on Saturday the 22nd. So I my think question is: these games are not regular season games, so are they counted as playoff games? Great question. You like for stats and stuff? Probably. I think it would. I, I think they should. What count I'm thinking as- of is like. When does the rookie of the year voting happen? It happens at the end of the regular season before the playoffs start. Probably are like next the week. Votes, yeah. Are the votes going to be in before the playoff games ha- play in games happen? Because you know Charlotte Ooh, might be in there, and Le- what Lamelo does on that stage might influence some rookie of the year voting. You know, because like I said, these are going to be very watched games. The pressure of a one game do or die, you know, elimination game, super fun. If Lamelo shows out in one of those games, I think rookie of the year voters would be very swayed by that. So I'm just kind of wondering where. where the play-in games fit into the dichotomy of playoff versus regular season. Yeah, I wonder if they'll see what that happens this year and then maybe adjust it. But uh, I guess we all have to call up the league office and uh, see when we get our voting ballots in. Uh, I think it know. doesn't really matter because everyone's going to vote for Lamelo. You know, it just is like... <laughs> 
listen, it's about, you know, it's about I'm like watching, the different I'm, rankings, I'm, right? You rank like one, two, three, four, or whatever. So it's more than like who do you have? It's more like what are your rankings one through four yeah. or five or whatever they do. I guess I'm just protecting my feelings, you know, from the inevitable, <laughs> yeah. you know, because at this point, you know, I've been watching and Edwards just become a new player every single month. Every every week he's better than the week before, and it's amazing to watch his growth. And it's hard to watch a game like he had against Memphis, 42 points, super efficient, eight of nine from three, seven assists, six rebounds, you know, steal a block just did it all and, and think like this guy is not the rookie this 19 year old is not the rookie of the year so I just feel a little uh a little in my feelings because it just seems like it doesn't matter what Ant does LaMelo's already got it locked up you know yeah totally well we'll see about that we'll see in a few weeks uh who comes out there and uh, who makes the rookie teams and all that stuff should be interesting but uh yeah that's week recap moving on to full court press here's the tip all right. I we, feel like uh, week recap should have included like what stuff did you buy or eat at Disney World? <laughs> you know, that's the week recap. I you know it's we not this obviously podcast. are you know, recording from afar tonight, so I didn't get to pick your brain about your trip. I'll have to do that this weekend. I did not. I uh, did not uh, enjoy the NBA. I did not uh, attend. Go over to the NBA Experience, which is uh, this uh, you know this thing that's happening over at Disney Springs, which is kind of like their big outdoor mall. The NBA Experience is uh, in this big building. It used to be home to a place called Disney Quest, and I still need to go over there. I actually don't even know if it's open right now in COVID times, but that would be yeah, the one well, thing that may be relevant for this podcast. So I can report back on someday. <laughs> A little more than a year ago, last February 2020, right before the lockdown, you and I went to Disney World and uh, saw Galaxy's Edge. It was great, everybody. I could tell you all about it. But uh, I remember when we checked into the Disney Springs Hotel, there was an advertisement for the NBA experience. And it was notable because the featured star was Luca. You know, and I was just like, wow, (laughs) Luca, the new face of the league. That was like one of my first moments of realizing like, oh, man, Luca is going to be like the face of this league because they're already pushing him hard. You know, (laughs) that's right. Kids love him. Um, all right, we're, we're going to talk about a book. First time ever on this podcast, we um, got some uh, we got some uh, some press copies um, of uh, of the KG A to Z books. Got you used to this in your former job. You uh, you received uh, you know advanced copies of books all the time. You, you you'd uh, you'd read yeah. them. You'd give them to people. You'd uh, have them as as trivia um, prizes and stuff like that. But this one, uh, you know, we got because we're uh, we're uh, we're on Team Canis Hoopus. Over That's here, right. and all the writers and contributors over there got uh, got a copy of this book. So uh, very nice. It's crazy of, how such a small amount of level, a small amount of free stuff will give you the biggest head. You know, <laughs> I got this I'm book. Important. It's a good book, but it came in the little press box. It's like the box oh, is basically just the, the cover of the book with the book inside. And I'm like, wow, look at me. I, I, I have a journalism degree, so I'm just like, look at me, real press head over here, getting these advanced copies of the books, Mister Journalist. You know, <laughs> the box is cool. I mean, we, normally when you buy a book, it's just like you know, either comes from Amazon or you just like get it, you pick it up, you just walk out with the book or whatever but this came in like a cool box that was pretty cool i can't uh, decide what like to do with it though on one hand i'm just like this is basically garbage but on the other hand it would be a good a good little container for drugs so i can't decide. <laughs> see so yeah, kg a to z uh an uncensored encyclopedia of life basketball and everything in between kevin garnett with david ritz 
is what this is. Shout out to Simon and Schuster, the publishers, for sending us copies, and uh, we read it, and uh, we just have some thoughts, some some uh, you know. And I feel I feel like I have some overall thoughts, and then I have some interesting tidbits uh, that uh, were picked up from this book. So I don't know. Overall, I think it was very kind of what I expected. It was uh, KG being very like thoughtful and and deep, and kind of you know, kind of you know, giving giving him you know, he's very uh, intense kind of person, obviously. And I feel like a lot of that came through in um, in in the writing and sort of the stories he was telling and that kind of thing. So um, you know, it, it was kind of very much what you expect in that kind of way, uh, learning about sort of what makes KG tick and and sort of what where he came from, and it really is his whole story, kind of you know, from growing up in South Carolina to um, you know the end of his NBA career and beyond. Um, the the one thing you have to know about this book is the whole KG eight to Z thing is sort of how the book is set up so the chapters are are set up in alphabetical order with sort of like topics alphabetical topics within there so you have all these a's in the first chapter and then it just goes on through um throughout the rest and so it's kind of a it's a very i've never read a book like this where it's so like chopped up in this kind of way so it's not entirely all linear throughout his uh career chronologically although there is still an element of that um in in a way that they do find it is it is well done in that kind of way too where even though they do jump around a lot there is sort of a steady um biological or you know sort of uh, chronological timeline um throughout the book so it's just a kind of a cool book in that kind of way too you know it's very easy to read it's a light read lots of pictures lots of big headers and stuff so definitely a very fun read overall but i don't know scott what were your overall thoughts about uh the book and, and how it's formatted and stuff yeah, and I thought that the structure of the book is pretty interesting. KG went into the kind of the idea behind the structure in the opening pages of the books. Uh, he says he hasn't uh, told anyone about this before, but he reveals that he has ADD and ADHD. He says, I got them both. I also have d- dyslexia, meaning I see shit backwards. I see things in vision. For a long time, I was believing that I was mentally disabled until a great friend of mine, shout out to Tori Austin, said, hey, man, maybe that means you have superpowers. And he writes, that's one of the reasons I decided to structure the book this way, like an encyclopedia with little bite-sized entries. Because of my reading problems and my limited attention span, I'm not the kind of dude who's going to kick back on the couch with a book for an hour or two. I'm going to pick up a book, read a page or two, and then bounce. So I don't write the kind of book that I'd want to read. I want to change it up, do it differently. I've never been much of a rule follower. And so, you know, it is very much that kind of book, which I think is great, very accessible. I um, Like we're saying, it's very, you could read it straight through and it works as a book, but it also very much works that a lot of these A to Z, you know, there's little definitions like anything is possible is one of the categories in the A chapter or Billups is one of the chapters in the B, you know, it's about a little, it's a little blurb about Chauncey and these blurbs range from a page to maybe like the longest ones are three or four pages, like the Kobe one was maybe four pages and so uh very accessible to people i know a lot of people are probably like me where uh, they're more on the kg side of the attention spectrum (laughs) than the other so for people who like me don't read a lot of books anymore i read a lot of internet articles i read a lot of twitter i read a lot of stuff like that um i think that you know it's very accessible and that people will dig that book for their reason yeah, exactly. It's it's cool. It's done in a different kind of way, and uh, yeah, it's nice to just pick up and read a few pages and put down that kind of thing. So yeah, definitely, um, definitely interesting, different, uh, different uh, style style right there. But yeah, I also that was my first my first note too. And again, it kind of goes throughout the book. But the dyslexia r- revelation, I I I googled that after I read that, and I I couldn't find it anywhere. So I don't think he had ever talked about this to like a in an interview in his career or something like that. 
that because now, in the book I, he says it's the first time he's ever revealing it. Yeah, um, and he's and he says like you know it's given me some doubts while I sit down to write this book, which launches him into his next little diatribe about how to deal with doubt in your life. It kind of it, it mixes memoir and storytelling with kind of like the platitudes like a coach would give you. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Have, have doubt be put them take them out of the driver's seat and put them in the back seat of your car and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, so. It, it is well, on one hand I read these and I'm like this is kind of feels like uh, an empty kind of coaching platitude but at the same time you know KG believes it which ends up giving it a little bit more force exactly he's uh and like I said it's it, it reads very much like sort of what you would imagine he is and so it feels very like authentic in that kind of way right, because exactly. it, it kind of matches up to his personality that you see on the court or in the interviews and stuff like that um so he also says Kobe was dyslexic as well in the book yeah yeah that's interesting and then later on they talk about you know he he kind of had trouble um you know part of his part of his journey from going to the to high school to the NBA was you know he was having trouble taking the test like the SAT and stuff like that um and and there was kind of a an idea or like a rumor that that was why he was that was the exclusive reason why he was jumping straight to the nba is that he couldn't pass the test to go to a college or whatever but you know he reveals in this book that he actually right before the draft he did uh, take the test and then got word that he could have uh, gone to college but it was like the day of the draft or something like that and he would already he already made his decision so that was kind of cool too because there was this book on him that's just like yeah he's you know he's kind of a dummy or he's slow or whatever he can't read and stuff and and uh you know for him to kind of actually pass those tests and be able to go to college if he wanted to was kind of cool um but again kind of going back to the idea of the dyslexia and stuff that's kind of the biggest revelation i feel like in this book there's not a lot of like dirt there's not like a lot of like you know uh you know sort of yeah gossip or even about yeah even about like glenn taylor or any of the stuff that like wolves fans might want to hear unfortunately there's not too much of that in here but he is very honest it feels like he is very like raw about stuff you know swearing up a storm and all that kind of thing but there's not like it's, it's this isn't like kg dishing on things it's more just like him telling stories and anecdotes from his career and sort of like letting you in on, on sort of like what makes him uh tick and sort of why he is the way he is there is early on in the book a conversation between him and kobe about what they said uh-huh. to each other after kg won the championship in 2008 uh, yeah yeah and it's very fun because they're very honest with each other ribbing each other but also like Every sentence has a swear word, so you know it's legit Kobe KG conversation. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I was going to have us do a dramatic reading, but I think you're right. I think it <laughs> would actually just put the not safe for work tag on this pod. So perhaps we should just encourage people to read it. And that's the fun thing. I do. Can, I can tell there's a little bit of a ghostwriter situation going on here because sometimes it is such straight KG language with the, the MFers and you know, all the cuss words, and you're like, this is yep. definitely straight from KG voice to tape. And then there's some there's some sections where it gets a little too poetic where I'm like, that, that was a very poetic way to, to, uh-huh. turn, to turn a turn a phrase. So I wasn't surprised when I heard he had an author helping him, which of course, you know, especially as a dyslexic man, why wouldn't you, you know, I, I should have looked into this, but I wonder if he like reads the audiobook or whatever, because reading this, it's nice, but at the same time, and maybe it's just me as a podcaster and podcast fan. I wish I could like hear him, like I wish the I feel like the audiobook if he reads the audiobook for this you should do that rather than like get the actual paperback because I don't know I I don't really listen to audiobooks so that's not really my thing but I do listen to a lot of podcasts and especially just like KG and his bravado and the way he speaks and again like you said there's so much of like his you know natural language in here so I would love to like hear him read this book more than like actually read it and just like think about his voice in my head 
No, that's a great call. I'm looking it up right now because I've got all these Audible credits. I thought I canceled my Audible account. I'm pretty sure it's canceled, <laughs> but at the same time, I get new credits every month, which uh-huh. makes me think that maybe I've been being billed for it. I should really look into that because I've probably paid like $100 too much to Audible and not using it. Let's see what... Uh, uh, no, KG just says the introduction. Okay. That's too yeah. bad. Guy Lockard reads the book. Maybe a second edition or something like that. But yeah, a few other yeah, cool exactly. moments. Yeah, exactly. You're absolutely right, though. I would pay to hear KG read this, you know, to hear it in his Let's own go. voice because you're reading it and it feels like, for the most yeah. part, besides a few turns of phrase, it feels very authentic to his voice. So uh, yeah, they should definitely uh, make that happen. A, cu- a couple other notable spots here and then we can move on. I just wanted to mention some interesting tidbits I thought were cool. You know, I won't spoil them too much because I feel like a lot of listeners should definitely go read this. Um, but other things we learned in this book is he has a hyperbaric chamber in his house so he can like calm down <laughs> i feel like that's like and just like to fix you know help his body heal like i think that's like so perfect the kg has to like he's just like so intense all the time and he just like has this room in his house he goes into and just like lays to put in himself his- on ice <laughs> Exactly. Um, another good one is um, he talks about his love for like wrestling and like WWF and like how he uses that as an inspiration for his showmanship. And I just think that's like perfect. Like I didn't realize I didn't realize that he was into WWF and and pro wrestling, but it just it just lines up so um, so perfectly of of just who he is on the floor and the bravado and sort of the you know kind of playing the heel out there and trash talking and getting the crowd riled up and all that stuff. And it just makes a lot of sense. He did, at first, you wouldn't think of him maybe as like a wrestling guy. But for some reason, when I read that, I was just like, oh, yeah, duh, of course he is. It makes so much sense that he's all into like the whole like, you know, the the, the, the sort of the show of everything. Yeah, there's a little editing thing I I think that the editor should have paid attention to is that whenever KG talks about someone he knows, he, he'll go into like, oh, it's this guy, he has this beautiful wife, he has, you know, and then he'll describe like the family members that he met, you know, he met uh, DeMontis Sabonis when he met Arvidas oh, yeah. Sabonis in the past and stuff like that. But for some reason, his descriptor for every wife is beautiful wife. They should have <laughs> opened up a thesaurus. That's not his fault. That's the editor's fault. Every wife yeah. of someone is his beautiful wife. That's right. It's David Ritz's. <laughs> fault that's just a little thing i always i also appreciate that he refers to the sport of basketball as hoop not hoops Mm -hmm. hoop Mm -hmm. singular what the game of hoop has given to him in his life and stuff i thought that was pretty funny too straight up Um, hoop and yeah there's just lots of interesting tidbits like i said you don't want to give away the whole book but i learned that his pre-game chalk routine was actually a way for him to annoy sports writers because he really hated sports writers because he thought they would twist his words and create fiction just for drama. You know, some of the same complaints that athletes have about sports writers today. So he said instead of doing it playfully like Jordan did, he would do it to spite the sports writers. He would make it seem Uh like he was clapping it, but really he was flinging the chalk straight in their face and then (laughs) clapping to kind of cover his actions. But he was saying that he was doing that straight up to hurt the sports writers. And he said that LeBron eventually turned it into his own thing and the fans loved it and everyone loves it that's fine but when kg sees lebron does it he thinks ah it's a shame you're not even getting it on the sports writers <laughs> incredible yeah yeah that stuff's great because yeah we didn't really know that and now now we do we get a little behind the scenes on uh why he did that sort of i found uh, a like- lot of stuff from kg where it, it doesn't seem insightful on its surface but 
it was actually pretty insightful when you think about it. Like he has an early section where he's talking about beauty. It's in the B chapter, beauty. And he talks about as a kid, this hill that he had near his house, uh, and how he could appreciate the natural beauty of like coming up to the hill through the neighborhood. You get on the hill, you'd see the cars and the city in the distance. And he realized that beauty for him meant movement. And like the things he found beautiful as a kid were the idea that he could get away, that he could go somewhere else in his life. And like having grown up in a small town, you know, myself, uh, I, I really identified with that and it made me reflect on some of the stuff that I found beautiful when I was a high schooler and dreaming of getting out of Farmington and I was just like found a lot of truth in that where I was like yeah the stuff that I found beautiful the art that really resonated me was about movement and getting out and seeing the world and he talks about how geography was a captivating subject for him for that for that same reason it would just set his imagination while learning about cities in Africa or mountaintops and stuff like that and so there's a lot of stuff that seems kind of plain but then when you read it you're like wow that's more insightful than I thought a couple other anecdotes in here that I liked. Apparently, he uh, he he loves Janet Jackson, and uh, he attended Jan- Janet Jackson's Target Center show on the Velvet Rope Tour. Um, I think this was early in his career, like 96, 97, and he was invited on stage, and they did a, Janet did a bit every night where she would tie someone up on like a chair and do like kind of like a like a strip tease dance for him. It's like part of the show, and so he got to go out and do that that night, and she tied him up on a chair on stage uh, for the song Rope Burn, and uh, and yeah, in front of the crowd, just freaking out, and he said he was loving it. So I think that was an amazing story. That was great. I, I, uh, yeah, I, just, I would uh, love to get a photo <laughs> of that. We got we got to ask friends of the show David Sherman if he has like a photo from that night or whatever, because I got to see a photo of KG tied up in the chair, just loving it with Janet Jackson like standing over him. Yeah, no, that was that was a very great chapter. He was very visceral with his description of watching Janet. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And then another great story of the first time playing against Michael Jordan and how like uh, you know he was pumping up J.R. Ryder who was going at him and stuff, and how KG couldn't hold back from trash talking and he was talking up J.R. and stuff. And then MJ basically you know closed out the game and, and put the kibosh down and was like that don't don't talk junk to me. And so I think like KG eventually says like that's that's like the one guy I, I learned never to talk talk junk to because uh you know he he proved me wrong and he's uh you know he's one of the best ever i thought that was great especially the jr writer stuff and all that jr knew too he was like no don't do this don't do this ticket don't do it Yeah, he's got a lot of great stories. So yes, this is a book I would definitely recommend. And especially the one thing that kept me from reading it right away was I have a couple other basketball memoirs. I've got the Shaq book or whatever, uh, Shaq Uncut. And they're just more conventional memoirs. Chapter one, this was me as a small kid. Chapter two, this was me when I was a teenager. You know, and I just love the way this this structure of the book really makes it very accessible. Like I said, very bite-sized sections. And it just makes it a pleasure to read. So I would recommend this to all... uh, KG fans, all Timberwolves fans, you know, get a look. Yeah, it's not the best sports book ever, but if you're a Timberwolves fan, if you're listening to this show, you definitely need the KG book. You need to learn more about the greatest player in Timberwolves history. At least check it out from your local library. We're coming. We're coming. I live in Minnesota. Shout to Soda. Y'all know what it is. Anything possible! There we go. Emptied out, emptied them all out right there. Uh, so yeah, go check out the book. Thanks again to Simon Schuster for sending us these uh, promo copies and uh, check it out. KG A to Z uh, I also in stores think we'll now. Get a, you know, we'll get a sequel at some point. Yeah, he's just he's done with Act One. I can't wait to see what happens in Act Two of his career, and I'm sure we'll get another great book down the line somewhere. All right, moving on. He's hitting up. Next up, we got to talk about uh, Anthony Edwards. He is your Western Conference Rookie of the Month for the month of April. Um, so it's back-to-back Rookie of the Months now 
for uh, young Anthony Edwards. And uh, this month in April, played 16 games and averaged about 20 points, five rebounds, three and a half assists, and uh, all like of his shoot. And the steal, yeah, he's getting some, getting in the passing lanes a little bit, and all of his uh, shooting stats are up um, from the previous month uh, in March, where he also won Rookie of the Month. So that's good. Some of his counting stats are down a little bit, his average stats, but I like to see that uh, three point percentage go up, and um, you know all his percentages really they've been they've been kind of low. You know he still has a below average true shooting for the season. So um, I like to see those shooting stats go up. He's hitting more threes and stuff like that. But hey, we'll take him. Anthony Edwards now back to back Rookie of the Month. One more, and he might get Rookie of the Year. You know, you got to <laughs> definitely win the Rookie of the Month if you want to get Rookie of the Year. I think Cat won it every single month. That's right. Uh, so it is a nice little uh, harbinger of, of how things are going, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it just a question to me is obviously the kind of, you know, the debate for Rookie of the Year. Obviously, LaMelo has been more efficient, you know, and playing less games. You know, it's really focusing on the efficiency instead of the counting stats. Whereas Ant obviously has his efficiency problems. We've seen him get better every single month, so he's on the right track with that. But some of his early season uh, efficiency numbers are rather glaring. Uh, would, I can understand why people would consider him a bust just by looking at those first two months yeah. he's shooting like sub-20% or whatever. Um, but I just think that when you look at counting stats, Ant is doing stuff that people have never done before. Ant is the first rookie, or I don't know if he's the first rookie or the first teenager to ever score 150 three-pointers he, wow. he achieved that during memphis the youngest guy to ever reach 153 pointers he's top five all time in teen scoring in total points and so yeah maybe he's not as efficient and obviously you know we're not fans of chuckers we're all about efficiency on this show as well but i think at some point you have to pause the uh, the obsession over efficiency and just realize what he's done counting stats wise you know yeah, it's especially in the guy's rookie year. I mean, obviously it'd be better if he was more efficient, but you know, especially on one of the worst teams in the league and sort of being more forward-looking, just getting the reps and just getting the minutes and just, you know, going around the league, you know, you know, one season just just to get it all in and experience it all. It's going to help him so much going forward. So, you know, when you are, you know, the, again, you have Timberwolves, you're down at the bottom of the standings. It just it's just as natural to like play the young guys and and get those out there and and have him uh, take his lumps from time time but then also kind of show you some uh, glances of what could be in the future and man it's been it's been incredible he continues to you know just look great physically and athletically about getting to the hoop and you know I think his shot selections improved a little bit you know he still is um, you know still prone to take a few off the dribble threes that you might groan at but you know other than that I mean he's he's getting to the he's getting to the into the paint and at kind of the same clip and he's he's, he's definitely shooting more free throws now I don't know if that's just like the refs are giving it to him more if he's like been able to find a way to you know actually get those calls or what the equation is there but you know just I those things have, those th- yeah those things have really improved his overall game and he continues to you know again he's got three and a half assists a game here in this month you know dish the ball out and you know you're not seeing quite as many of the you know great great looks that maybe we saw earlier in the season of him like you know passing out of uh, off the dribble and that kind of thing but you, you can see the vision is still there and he's just been asked to do so much more now and shoulder more of the burden um so it's cool to see you know is his uh his usage is continuing to stay high and stuff and he continues to uh you know produce at a, at a pretty high level so yeah even though the efficiency isn't quite there i think you know that's something you kind of look over for a rookie this year and kind of you know try, you're trying to 
look at you know flashes of brilliance and can he can he kind of sustain this and what does he look like he could be you know the raw materials are kind of more important than maybe the stats and the efficiency at this point so it's super exciting for him I think it's uh, everyone's kind of coming around now on the Anthony Edwards thing and he's uh, let's hope he can have put put a couple more weeks together and finish this thing out strong. Well, what's been crazy is he's been instrumental. I mean, we only have 16 wins in the season, but there's at least five that we wouldn't have without Ant, and that's just yeah. me estimating off the top of my head. Golden State Warriors, he scored 18 points in the fourth quarter, you know, mm. against the Warriors. We wow. would not win that game without him. And Memphis, he, he had the best game of his career, and then the last five minutes of the game, we decide to go D-low cat, D-low cat, D-low cat. Ant gets one shot, he makes a three. You know, and it just feels like we gave that game away because we didn't let Ant touch the ball at all down the stretch. You know, I love yeah. Cat. I love D'Lo. I think they should get their touches. Most times that's the right play. But I was just like, Ant is literally on fire right now. And how can we go for like the final five minutes of the game without making it a point of emphasis to get this ball in his hands? I mean, maybe he needs to be more aggressive. He was definitely deferring to Cat and D'Lo, you know, which is a good sign. But uh, I just think like last night it would have been a win in Memphis if we just kept feeding him the ball at the end of the game so I think he has this ability to take over games what's amazing to me about Ant and this is maybe one of those arguments like yeah maybe it doesn't matter that LaMelo missed 20 games who knows but just like Ant has played every game this season had no summer league had no training camp and he has not hit the rookie wall he had his best game of his career in game 65 you know or game 66 whatever it was last night like he had the best game of his career he's getting better every single day I think if the game if the season went on for another 30 games he would be even better you know at the end of the season because he's just an exponential kind of growth curve right now we haven't seen him hit a plateau yet he just keeps getting better and better and better it's almost a shame the season has to stop because usually rookies hit a wall and he hasn't and for some reason his energy is now like the central energy of the team you know it feels like the team feeds off of his energy which is just remarkable for a rookie when you have a team that has a lot of uh, vets you could call them you know I know Cat, D'Lo are maybe not like vets in the sense that they're not like LeBron's age or something like that but on a team full of guys who are not just like it's not like Cat's rookie year or it was all a bunch of scrubs you know and so I just think it's amazing what he's doing with his energy and how he's leading the team this far into the season yeah in a normal season this would be incredible to be playing great this late but especially given this rapid fire four games a week type of year it's incredible he hasn't really hit that wall so great to see from Anthony Edwards well again you get that rookie of the month we'll see about the rookie of the year in a few weeks here but uh, overall just uh, great to see great for the future of the Timberwolves to have him continue to improve. All right, final thing here. Hit me, hit me with an ant drop, Neil. You pick your favorite one. Hit me with an ant drop. Uh, let's see. Let's get let's get a good one here. Let's get a let's get one of the newer ones here. Ants have compound eyes. He saw that all the way. Oh, love it. Ant Ooh, facts. Compound eyes. What a great one. Ant facts, indeed. All right, next thing here. He's on fire. All right, we had a uh, Mark Laurie interview, Scott. A rare uh, Mark Laurie press appearance here post, uh, you know, Timberwolves ownership news. Uh, Mark Laurie is uh, is is the the ownership partner of uh, Alex Rodriguez is in their uh, bid to uh, uh, you know be the new owners of the Timberwolves. It seems to haven't heard anything in a few weeks, I guess, on that. But uh, hopefully things are all systems go on uh, on that. And he did an interview um, earlier this week or a few days ago. On, yeah, I, uh, I saw it this week. It might have been late last week that the interview happened. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we usually hear the A Rod side. It's all about A Rod, of course. He's famous. We all know a rod who is mark laurie though so it was fun to <laughs> catch an interview he was uh 
what was it run rich run or something it yeah was, the rich uh, eisen show yeah the rich eisen show he does a charity event that mark laurie has participated in recently and so it was mostly about the charity event but they got in a few questions about his ownership of the timberwolves his forthcoming ownership and i thought it was interesting what some of his answers were yeah totally so um you know we'll link that in the show notes for sure but we just want to talk about a little here because yeah again like you said it's uh you know he's you know he's a billionaire and you know he does a lot of things but he's uh you know decidedly less famous than the pro athlete uh, in all of this the mvp pro athlete uh, in in this whole set so cool to hear from him and you know i think it was uh it was just sort of enlightening to hear kind of what he's about a little bit i mean he, he goes by you know he, he he builds himself as a serial entrepreneur which i kind of hate that term a little bit it's kind of douchey and stuff but you know i think he kind of balances that out i mean again like you said the whole reason he was on this show was to promote this like charity thing uh, that he's doing and giving back money and then one of the first things he talks about when talking about the wolves is his sort of enthusiasm for uh you know uh, josh akogi and his community work he's like yeah i got to talk on the phone to josh akogi and i just love what he's doing in the community and so you know i think that's i think that's important i think that's uh you know especially you know compared to glenn and stuff and just what we've had over the few years we've had you know gms and coaches and players of course saying all that stuff and and talking about the community and talking about issues like that but to you know have an owner who um you know is is decidedly younger and uh, just more kind of full of life and you know has more ideas out there and more things to give it's just cool to hear from him a little bit and uh, yeah to get his side of things and again there wasn't too much here about the wolves but it just gave you a little bit of an idea of like what he's into and the kind of person he is and that kind of stuff so yeah, in the in uh, in the we, we are bereft of uh, lots of Mark Laurie uh, audio here, so it's good to, good to hear from him and just to get an idea of who he is. Yeah, it was good to hearing him talk about his uh, you know praising Okogi for the community work. He kind of said something about we want to continue doing work in the community around social yeah. justice, which is a good sign. I wouldn't say Glenn doesn't do anything. I mean, he owns the Star Tribune, and there's nothing more important. Well, not nothing more important, but having a strong. <laughs> Uh, yeah. press local press is very important I, I you know once again with Glenn it's you know it's a complicated relationship he's not a good owner he's also like super Republican and stuff like that but he also has kept the Timberwolves here and he's kept the Star Tribune you know working and flowing as like a good <laughs> independent source of news so I don't you know I want to appreciate what Glenn has done from the community yeah, no shade is, no shade is on good. Glenn it, it is good just to sort hear of, just sort of yeah, notable to kind of hear a younger voice and a more like with it and sort of a little more modern kind of guy who's like oh yeah this is the new owner of the Timberwolves yeah, it's interesting to hear him. He, he kind of is a self-described futurist. He said on the interview, I live in the future. Some people <laughs> in the comments were talking about how he has described his dream of building a city of the future. And so he, on the interview, specifically mentioned that he's excited to figure out new ways to using tech in the stadiums. And he gave kind of a joking example of using drones to drop t-shirts into the crowd. <laughs> but just like hearing him talk about the ways he wants to you know, use tech in the stadium and the way it, it doesn't sound like he has any intention of moving this team. You know, and yeah. maybe that's, you know, it's, it's a five minute interview. You can't read too much out of it. But just the way he talks about the community and the team and the stadium, it's all the signs that seem like a guy who's ready to, you know, keep continue building with the Timberwolves here, you know? Yeah, and there's you know people have problems with Mark Cuban and sort of some of the you know I mean I guess Cuban's been the owner of the Mavs now for like 20 years or something, but I feel like he's sort of one of the younger guys in the league. But you know it's just kind of nice to like be in that club too. Of you know again you might have beef with some of these tech billionaires and stuff like that, but they certainly bring a 
a breath of fresh air to a franchise, or at least for the Wolves, who have been owned by the same person, and they play in this old building, and they don't really win, and all this stuff. So it's just exciting to have such a different voice in there again. No shade to Glenn. I'm not saying Glenn's terrible or whatever. Yeah. But no, no, totally. It's just, it's, we're overdue there, for a new voice. And like, There's just such there's a only contrast some, between them. Right. There's only so much you could do with the Target Center. We understand yeah. you know, we're locked in that building. Everyone wants a fresh, new, modern arena, but we also are committed to this you know, hunk of concrete that we have in downtown <laughs> Minneapolis. There's only so much you can do. So the idea of using tech to re- kind of make it a modern stadium is exciting to me because you can't do that purely through renovation you know, at the Target Center. Totally. So I, th- I thought that was exciting and... Oh, and also speaking of Cuban, you know that's uh, that's a item in the C chapter of KG's books. He wrote <laughs> about the first time he played at American Airlines Arena, you know, and he said after the game, the visitors' locker room got a four-course gourmet spread. And he said he went to talk to Mark Cuban after that and thanked him for it. And he's like, you know, at this point, I was the guy going and getting McDonald's and Taco Bell orders. And he talked about how impressive that was and like how it won. That's a great way to recruit for the Mavs is to be like, yeah, even the visiting team gets a gourmet meal whenever they come here. But he also said like how that's just the way the NBA works now. Every team has nutritionists, everyone, you know. And so he's kind of looking at how Cuban was ahead of the head of the wave there. And I think that, you know, hopefully Laurie can be that kind of guy for the Wolves going forward. I love it. Yeah, we'll see more uh, from Laurie. We'll hear more from him hopefully this summer. A link to that interview will be in the show notes. All right, let's get to our sponsor and pay those bills. The previous play is under review. Oh, man, it's a replay review. These always take forever. I guess I'll go to the bathroom or stream a Netflix show on my phone or something. Neil, wait, that's for the replay reviews of the past. Haven't you heard about the Timberwolves' new replay review shows? Replay review shows? What's that? It's like a halftime performance, but for these extended, unending stretches when the call to Secaucus is on hold. Unlike halftime, which is always a predictable set period of time, replay reviews vary in length, leaving fans unsure of whether or not they have the time to run to the restroom or closest concession stand. Fans are being held hostage in their seats, stuck in limbo, unsure of when the game will resume. Yeah, we're restless. We need to be entertained. Well, you're in luck because the Timberwolves have begun sourcing local talent to perform during these breaks, like the St. Paul Chamber Orchestra playing John Tesh's Round Ball Rock, or the Minneapolis Kennel Club and their incredible backflipping chihuahuas. In fact, the Timberwolves are calling for captivating acts of any nature. If you think you can be more entertaining than an endless timeout spent watching three referees stare at a video monitor, then contact the Timberwolves Entertainment Department today. All contracted performers will be paid in oversized bags of stale stadium popcorn. Thank you to Timberwolves Replay Review Shows for sponsoring this week's episode of Wolvescast. Up next, we're going to degrade for Cade. Degrade for Cade. Just hold the grenade. Alright, D-grade for Cade. It's that time of the year. The race to the bottom is in full effect. We are so close to the end of the season. Like ten days away from the end Six of the season. Six games left season. as of this recording. Maybe you're Ooh. not maybe there's only five games left when you re-listen to this. Oh my god. 
gosh. So few I'm, games. I'm upset, man. I'm not ready for this team to end. They're playing their best basketball of the season right now, you know? Like, don't take this away from me. The Twins aren't any good. Their bullpen is blowing every game. Please. Please let these Timberwolves just continue playing games. Right when they're getting good, right here. Right? Come on. This is like a, you know, this is like a Marvel movie. It's getting good, then cut off. It's a cliffhanger for the next thing. All right, well, we got to focus on uh, the race to the bottom here. The, the Timberwolves are currently 16-46. Uh, and 46. They have the third worst record in the NBA. But don't look now. Cleveland, Oklahoma City, and Orlando, they're right behind us. One game back behind the Timberwolves. They just want to get into that top three as well. It's like you said, six games remaining. But the problem is not only are the Timberwolves playing better than all these teams you know, in this mix – but all these other teams have a you know tougher schedule, so they're going to lose more games than the Wolves probably he- uh, heading up here. So people on Reddit are asking thing. Neil, why is it the league doesn't care when Oklahoma City tanks? They've sat <laughs> Al Horford for like three months. Shea isn't playing anymore either. Anyone who has a positive contribution to Oklahoma City gets a DNP for the rest of the season, and no one's blinking an eye. So you know, I'm just saying. I'm not saying Reddit there. is just saying. I'm just sharing. Yeah, yeah, totally. So things have changed since the last time we did uh, Degrade for Kate. Things have changed since the last time we did a podcast. I mean, we, who could we ever imagine f- this year's Timberwolves winning four in a row? Come four on, four in a row. Yep. And they, uh, you know, they have kind of a soft schedule here. They um, they face off against uh, you know so, so a couple a couple good teams. You know, they still have uh, like Boston and uh, Miami and uh, and Denver and uh, one other team they have uh that's that's above uh, above uh, 500 i guess and then uh they're also going to play two bad teams in uh, orlando and detroit so must you know, lose games they have some big games yeah against teams right there in the mix with them but uh, i don't know i don't know how they're going to lose those games against orlando and detroit there's oh we can't so much... because those teams are fully tanking whereas these timberwolves yeah are playing harder than ever under Chris Finch. Chris Finch does not want to have a negative negative coaching record, you know? That's right. He wants to get into the positive, so he is not going to lose any games. Anthony Edwards doesn't know the meaning, you know? So these guys aren't going to quit, whereas I think uh, Oklahoma City and Orlando for sure are two of the biggest tankers, you know, in these yeah, final they have a lot more. They have a lot more injuries. You know, they traded Blake and all these things. So, yeah, I mean, Orlando traded Vooch. It's, it's all happening here. It's all lining up for those teams to pass us. 538 which is never wrong uh projects uh, the, <laughs> the the wolves was, will finish that was aimed at me will finish uh with the sixth worst record so they're they're saying that we will be finish 23 and 49 um and which means uh, we go uh 23 and 49 wait a second there's not that many games left hmm. <laughs> because we're what we're 16 and uh oh, sorry no that that, that number 46? is wrong we're 20 and 46 right now we're not six i, I didn't update that uh, oh okay yeah so we're 20 and 46 right now we will win three of our final six games is what they're predicting that's which right which seems right. pretty reasonable like i said we're gonna you know we're gonna win detroit and orlando and then we just gotta steal one against a good team boston are they even a good team anymore who knows you know yeah, who knows who knows so yeah that'll be interesting and and so sky it really does look like the wolves are not going to have um you know one of the worst three records here to end the season so you pulled the some of the percentages for you know the lottery odds um for you know, and these are for, the odds for keeping a top three pick they're not their odds to get the number one pick these are the odds to get a top three pick sure sure why don't you run those down for us sure well we all know the number 40 percent. that's kind of the most important stat of the season for the diehards around us so that is if we are a bottom three 
record, we have a 40% chance of getting a top three pick, a.k.a. keeping our pick this season. If we have the fourth worst record, we fall to 36% chance, 366 we have the fifth worst record. We have the 31.6% chance. And then what 538 is projecting us, what we cannot fall below is the sixth spot, which is a 27.6% chance. So the difference between being a bottom three record and the sixth worst record is a difference of 13 percentage points. And so it's not negligible. You know, you got to play the odds when you're playing the odds. Every percentage point helps, but it's not devastating. I've seen people online say the Timberwolves have a choice between winning and losing the pick altogether. And I guess that's kind of what it is. But people are acting like if we don't finish with a top three or bottom three record, we've lost the pick. When in reality, the difference between finishing, you know, with the worst record and finishing with the sixth worst record is just 13 percentage points of probability there. So obviously you want that 40%. If you're a gambler, you'd rather have a 40% odds than 27% odds. But I'm just saying, it's not like if we don't finish in the bottom three, we have no chance of keeping the pick. I've been saying all season, we're not keeping the pick. Like even if we had the worst record, we have a better chance of losing it than keeping it. So I've been advising everybody, the pick is gone, treat it like it's gone, make your peace, bury it. And then if somehow some miracle happens and we come back and get it let it be a joy in your life instead of letting it be a disappointment that you were hoping on it and you felt like it was ours and we're only going to lose it on lottery day no we've already lost it there's only a small chance we keep it on lottery day take care of your mental health think like i do everybody but uh so i'm saying is even if we get the six worst record it's not the end of the world some people if you believe in uh karma if you believe in basketball gods if you believe that the the league rigs this stuff says you win out maybe it's better for your odds because you've got that karma. You've got the basketball gods are like, hey, these people weren't tanking. They were trying to make some stuff happen. We've definitely seen teams move into that top spot from you know the eighth worst record or so on in the past few years. So there's definitely a possibility of that You know, with us maybe, if you believe in that the mystical element of the NBA, we're maybe helping ourselves by winning instead of losing. But um, either way, I think that our, our best possible record, like we said, if we win out, we're 26 and 46. Chicago currently has a 26 and 39 record. So they're at the seventh worst odds. They have the seventh worst record in the NBA. If they win one of their final six games, it means we cannot be seventh worst. So that's what I'm saying is like six worst. That's what 538 projects. Uh, that's the pretty much the worst we can do. So we won't fall below that. So don't be wor- too worried about that. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the tanking versus the winning, Neil? Yeah, it's been it's hard. It's uh, it's just it's like the whole season. It seems like you're for sure going to be in that bottom three, and then right at the end of the year, you you know you get a bunch of wins and kind of fall out of it. But yeah, these numbers, these percentages console me a little bit. I mean, I'm obviously like you, or it's like yeah, you you lost this pick when you traded it. Like the, the the that was the original sin here is that you traded it without like top four protection. Even it was a top three protection, which is. Uh, it's so silly. I feel like it's just like going to happen that the Wolves are going to get the fourth spot here. Um, but yeah, it only drops basically every spot you drop down, you lose about four to five percent um, lottery odds there. So you know it's not too bad, and you'd like to you know it, it, it's kind of a win-win situation in a lot of ways. That's kind of the beauty of the race to the bottom. You know you can celebrate losses, but then if you're winning, you're like, all right, we got some momentum for next year, and look how these guys actually looked look good together. And like I said earlier, I don't think necessarily these are empty 
dynasty wins where it's like, oh, we're just beating up on some tanking teams or something like that. It's we're playing some real teams who are trying to make the play in or improve their playoff odds. So, you know, I think it is sort of showing real development and, you know, kind of what Edwards is doing and McDaniels and stuff. So I don't think these these wins are necessarily uh, pointless or, you know, they're, they're going to be uh, terrible or whatever. So, you know, I, I can come around do it like most things. Timberwolves, I can talk myself into it. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's like you said, I like the basketball God sort of angle there, too, where it's like, yeah, you, you try your best to win the games and you let the you let the odds uh, and you let the ping pong balls fall where they may. So we'll see about that. But uh, it certainly is a very dramatic change of events here. It really seemed like the Wolves were were heading for the one of those bottom three spots heading for, you know, the the deep lottery here. But instead, they're winning. Instead, they're the best team out of these bottom tens. They're like six and four in their last ten where all these other teams are like two and eight, three and seven, one and nine, all this At stuff. At the end so. of the season, we're going to be able to point to the games that D'Angelo, Russell, and Cat played together, and there being yeah. a positive record. We're going to be like, record. you know, yeah. 10 and eight or something. I don't know what it'll be, yeah. 12 and six or whatever. True. But we're going to have a positive record. And that's one thing we can point at and be like, yeah, we've been terrible the past two years, but actually, actually, when we have our two best stars playing together, we could be above 500 team. And we didn't even have Malik, so it gives fans some hope for next season. I think hope is important. I also think we're playing at our highest level of the season. And with this franchise, the worst, not of all time, actually we've won enough that we've paid, we've surpassed Cleared the it. Tampa yeah. Bay Bucks, everyone, for the worst winning percentage in sports history. Obviously the Bucks have two championships, so maybe that means their franchise is better than ours. But in terms of pure win-loss percentage, Timberwolves, which had fallen to the worst in all sports, is now above worst. And so that alone <laughs> has value, you know? And uh, I just think that sabotaging the Scott squad would be malfeasance, considering how long of a time coming this moment has been. We've wanted this team to be good for so long. We've wanted DM Angelo Russell and Cat to play together and for it to be successful for so long. And I just think with a franchise like this that has so many more losses than wins, I'm done with the losing. I am done with cheering for losing. I get it. I, I get the odds. I get the odds better than you get the odds, my friends. I've been podcasting for this team for the past six years, been cheering for them longer. <laughs> I get it. Okay. And I'm just think like, yes, the intelligent fan, ex, you know, if you're playing the odds, sure, a better, oh, a one more loss isn't anything if it means getting a, you know, Zion or something. But I just think at the end of the day, you got to start winning games and, you know, to be a respectable franchise, to be, you know, a franchise that isn't a laughing matter of the league. And it happens, you know, every night. It can't just be like, oh, we're going to start winning next season. Oh, actually, we're going to start winning next season. We've just dug ourselves too big of a hole. I'm cheering Absolutely. for every single win from here on out. No longer am I cheering for losses. And, like I've said before, would you would you rather, Neil, have the worst record, be the 30th team in the league? No, we are the worst team in the league and then lose the pick? Or would you rather be like the 24th best team in the league? Be like, oh, this is a team that's on the rise. We lost our pick. You know, yeah, what's exactly. going to feel worse? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'd, you'd like to have that momentum if you can have it. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see. That'll be, uh, it'll be a few months here before we get that actual lottery. But uh, let's hope the Wolves continue to play well and, you know, have some uh, have something to hang their hat on and here. Th- what uh, I want to is, is this isn't a science. Losses don't mean we keep our pick, just like wins don't mean we lose our pick. We could win yeah. out and keep our pick. We could lose out and still lose our pick. You know, True. I'm, True. It's just it's small odds percentages. Absolutely. All right, let's keep the show moving. Onward to Weekly Wolfies. Now presenting your Weekly Wolfies. Our weekly Wolfies Award Time. We're back with uh, some trophies 
to hand to some individuals or some corporations or something. So let's get it going here, Scott. You want to start us off or you want me to go first? Why don't you go first? Because for once, Neil, we both have the same Wolfie. I always have backup Wolfies, so I've got a backup one. But I yeah. want you to lead because this is the uh, the object of ire for both of us. Oh, my gosh. Let's complain a little bit here. Okay, so we know about the switch from uh, Fox Sports North to Bally Sports North. And uh, as of this week, uh, the Apple TV app, and I'm sure all of their apps, uh, have been updated to uh, have some... You know they've been they're they're all different now, and uh, you might have experienced this at home. This is how I'm watching the Wolves this year is using the Apple TV app, and my goodness, it is a hot mess up in here. And uh, yeah, there's lots of issues with the Bally Sports Apple TV app. It's very annoying to use. You know, I'll give them a little bit of a grace period here. Maybe we'll get a little uh, get some updates happening here, and we'll get the one one dot one version or something like that. We'll uh, fix all this, but. Man, it's just just a lot worse. Uh, and somehow, you know, we, I think we we kind of gave a negative Wolfie to, to the, <laughs> the FSN app uh, earlier this year at some point in the run of this podcast for sure. We've we've uh, they've you know, trashed many negative Wolfies. Most yeah, we've trashed on them because it just like uh, you know just things didn't really work right. But somehow they've made it even worse here with uh, ba- the Bally Sports Apple TV app. And, and again, some of this stuff is going to be small, but this is how I watch these games. So it's really weird and really hard when they change it up. My biggest beef is uh, they've taken away the 10-second skip button, Scott. Did you notice that as well? You know, that, that was how I watched these games. It was just like, you know, it was able to skip their free throws, and, and I use uh, I use the um, remote app on my phone rather than use Ooh, the terrible Apple TV. Because I use the TV remote, and it still works for me. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll have to pull that out. Because but here's the thing. Here's the stipulation with that. They've still messed it up. Because I'm the kind of guy, I've got attention problems just like KG. A lot of times I'll be watching and I'll be like, wait a second, I can't remember anything from the last minute of this game. Or maybe there's a really cool play. Ant makes a dunk. Or maybe there's just some aspect of a play yeah, I want to rewatch. 10 second back. I hit that 10 second back. And the thing is, like, you can hit it once or twice. It's fine. But if you hit it more than that, they'll insert an ad immediately. They'll drop an ad. Oh, and so yep. they restrict you from moving forward and backwards by forcing you to watch an ad, which basically just kills your ability to move forward and backwards to the point where now it's like, I almost don't want to hit. I know this is the point. The point was, yeah, we don't want you fast forwarding through like free throws because that's where the ad break is. So if I try to fast forward through a free throw, it's going to drop an ad, an unskippable ad by the way, an unskippable ad that is a very, very low quality. Like I get HD picture, shout out to the app for that. It looks HD when I'm watching the game. Then their unskippable ads that they drop in are like 480p or worse. Yeah, you know, They're yeah. just blurry for me and they rarely work. And sometimes they're in the Spanish language, which is actually one of the few good things <laughs> is I enjoy my Spanish language unskippable ads. All the other ones are terrible. And so just like it's effed up my ability to skip forward and backwards in time because they've decided if you're doing that, you're trying to skip commercials so we're going to force you to watch an ad and it just yeah. makes it broken for me yeah okay so it's not as easy to skip forward on the app and then also yeah like you're saying the ads are, are much much more intrusive i mean before when you replayed um a timberwolves game on the fox sports north app it just had all like the local commercials just like baked in and it was annoying because you had to skip through them all 
but at least you could. Whereas now, um, you know, it's it's a little bit better in the fact that you only get one ad. They just like yeah. they just like uh, dub over all the local ads with like one thirty second spot. But like you said, it's really bad quality. And the worst thing for me last night when I was watching this is it was like incredibly loud. Like it, maybe it was the broadcast for me was incredibly quiet, but I had the thing cranked for the game, mm. and then it goes to the commercial and it just like blows the speakers, and it was just like everything is out of whack. So well, that that was an issue I as well. The Star Wars effect because when you watch Star Wars, Yoda is like whispering, like yeah, will be the dynamic. The next scene is a Tie Fighter that's like. <laughs> you know, it's just screeching. Like Star Wars is kind of the worst. You always yeah. have to have your hand on the volume remote. So yeah, yeah, that's very annoying when that happens. But yeah, and I was getting the same ad every single time for like the first half of the game, and it wasn't the Spanish thing. It was for like this weird channel they have, which I think is like their new TBD thing. <laughs> TBD and then. It was the yeah, it's like the next version of TBD, and then there was also like a PSA about why you should get vaccinated, which again is fine. I like that; that's good, good messaging or whatever. But it, there was no variety in the ads. Like if you're gonna make me watch all these, I literally watched the same two ads for an entire like you know. It's crazy that we were both complaining about the same app, and we have very different complaints. Like yeah, I don't we get different experiences. Problems, but I get my yeah. own host of problems. Like yeah. for me, it's and maybe good. this is just because I screw around with skipping forward and backwards. But the ads don't come like between quarters or during timeouts. The ads come in the middle of a play like d'angelo russell is rolling off of a, or is running a pick and roll he starts diving and all of a sudden it's an ad and like you don't get to see the play complete for like 30 seconds or whatever it's just really jarring where they decide the insert the ads in the m- immediate action of play it's like what are you doing yeah, so, you know, that's that's just something I wanted to bring up. Hopefully it gets better. Probably not for this season, you know, with such, you know, basically 10, ga- 10 days left, six games. Also, so. can I have a few extra complaints? Of course, bring well, them on, bring them on. We're getting our licks in here. Yeah, One, get them in. The the design of the app, at least old Fox Sports Go app, which had its own problems with, like, putting spoilers on the screen before you can access stuff, at least <laughs> them, the top tabs were live and then replay so you could flip over to the replay tab before you see anything and then there's only replay options whereas right now the Bally Sports app has a huge headline with an interview right when you open it up so it's like Ant Ant talks about a great win and it's just like well (laughs) F you know I was I was going to watch that game but then you have to scroll down all the way down to the replay where there's like five or six spoilers on the way down like for you to start the replay you have to skip through so many spoilers with your eyes closed it's embarrassing such a mess, but hopefully they get it better. Somehow the Bally Sports app is worse than the Fox Sports North app. That's that's hard to do, but somehow they did it. So they get a weekly Wolfie from me. What do you got, Scott? What's your weekly Wolfie this week besides all the Bally Sports stuff? Well, if you've been paying attention to the episode, you understand that I've had some issues with replay reviews and how long they're taking. I think everyone does. Uh, so I've been enjoying the Target Center music that's been playing during replay reviews. They're getting more like soap opera operatic soap operatic there's like dramatic sad music playing the other day replay review was happening and they blasted disney's let it go let it go and so i just like that the arena whoever's controlling the music in the arena i don't know if it's mad martigan or someone else but they're realizing (laughs) that these replay reviews are increasingly hated by fans and they're leaning into it in the way that arenas can do and have fun so whoever's having fun with the music during the replay reviews i love it keep it up you know the we got to have some kind of fun because they're just uniformly terrible right now so you heard this during a Timberwolves game is what you're saying yeah these are all during Wolves games the Target Center Arena is doing this so shout out to whoever's doing that at the Target Center in the past you'll hear you'll hear who's who's appreciating you but I am in the past I feel like you'd hear Jeopardy or Jeopardy was a big one 
Oh, um, Curb. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Curb was another uh, one. For sure. I feel like those are the big two, but it's interesting that they've now added another one for maybe this is like specifically for reviews or something. You know, yeah, I, exactly. Well, it was a couple games ago I heard Let It Go, and then last night's game, it was like, like I said, it was like some really sad, depressing song from like Titanic or something. It was like very <laughs> operatic, you know, it was very yeah. like soulful and slow and sad, and it was just like completely opposite the music you hear during an arena, and so I I like it. I want them to keep doing it because they're, they've got to fix these replay reviews somehow. Oh, and like we're saying, they're gonna they're gonna be bringing in, uh, you know, they're gonna be bringing in some show. It sounds yes, like uh, yes, to, finally. You know, yeah. I appreciate the Timberwolves realizing this, bringing in the Chihuahuas to do their backflips. You know, St. Paul Symphony Orchestra or Chamber Orchestra play round battle rock. It's about time. You know, let's music, get Cuckoo on the bid. You know, it's, let's you come out during it. every replay review. You have a song called. Uh, you know, replay it or something. Hurry Ooh, up. Replay yeah. it. That sounds like a good song. You could like have a rewinding kind of sound effect. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. You're you're the music master. I'll let you figure out the rest. Yeah, and our short, our songs are short too, so we can get That's them right. in there. Ninety second song. We're in and out. So I feel like uh, new uh, album good- dropping May. 21st? <laughs> 21st. Go and get it. Slow clap. Hell yeah. There we go. There we Thanks go, everyone. Plug. If you like but hearing yes. Neil's uh, voice talking, you'll love it when he's <laughs> rapping or singing. Check it out. Cuckoo King. That's right. So yeah, they need to, uh, but we enjoy the kind of trolling of the of the refs, whether it's, uh, you know, through music or any sort of other thing. So very, we, uh, very entertaining. Got, we got Piper's DNA test back. She's 100% that bitch. No, she's a girl, though, so that's accurate. But uh, she has a bunch of breeds. She's a mutt. And so we've been calling her mutt butt. And so lately with your song, putt putt, oh, mutt, yes. putt putt, I've been putting in mutt butt instead of putt putt. <laughs> Check out your local kang- cuckoo kangaroo singles, everyone. <laughs> Thank you very much for the plug. All right, let's, uh, let's wrap it up with the game, Scott. What are we playing this episode? Well, Neil, uh, you know, it's been a few years since we were in school, but I thought I'd give you a book report test. Oh. Reading, you, wrote, you read KG A to Z, I read KG A to Z, so here are some questions from All the right. book to see Let's about your reading comprehension. Let's see if I can remember. Yes, and I have lots of them, so you can tell me when we should stop, okay? Let's do four. All right, the four were the kind of like quote from the author in the opening pages before the title page. KG says, he who angers you, blank. Can you fill in the end of that? Ooh, I'm not, I promise I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to um, cheat. Cheat. Um, he who angers you, is it wins? Uh, I'll, I'll say this. He who angers you blanks you. Oh, he, he who angers you owns you. Is that right? That's right. That's the KG book that opens it. He who angers you owns you. Hey, there we go. All right, Neil. Next up, we talked about this exchange you know, on page four between KG and Kobe. What was KG's nickname for Kobe? Um, is it Bean? I'll give it to you. It's Bean or Cobean. 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 Bean Bryant, right there. All right, Neil. Uh, this next one, if you can give me city and state, I'll be impressed. But just give me state. Uh, where was KG born? Ooh, KG was. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he's from South Carolina, but maybe he's born somewhere else that moved to South Carolina. Nope, uh, South Carolina's good. No, all I'll right, South Carolina. Is it Maudlin? No, that's the school he went to. Maudlin is where they moved. Uh, okay. It, it, when he was in high school, they moved to a better neighborhood because of his moms. Is how he describes his mom. Moms, it's called moms yeah. uh, throughout the book, which I find endearing. She saved the money to move him to Maudlin when he was around high school age, but he was born in Greenville, South Greenville, Carolina. Greenville. Greenville. 
Uh, one of my favorite little chapters was KG describing his job as a dishwasher and learning how to fit into his systems that were pre-existing. Uh, can you tell me what restaurant KG got a job as a dishwasher at? Ooh, I cannot. I remember he had he described uh, like the pizza place he liked to go to in Chicago, and I didn't realize that's where actually he had like his like was it his draft party or was it his like draft announcement party or something like that? Yeah. Someplace in Chicago, but no, I don't I don't remember the name of the place in, in South Carolina where he worked. Where was it? I probably noticed it more because I'm a huge fan of the TV show. It was a, it's a Cheers bar. It's a knockoff ah. of the Cheers bar. Is where he got a job dishwashing, eventually waiting. Dang. All right, Neil. One more, one more. One more. Give me two. Give me two more. Three more. Okay, they're quick. All right, here we go. According to KG, you should never play the popular NBA card game Boo-Ray with who? Oh, this is so good. Oh, my gosh, I can't remember. I wonder if it was someone on the Wolves or if it was somebody. It was someone on the Celtics, and he said this player okay. could play two hands at once, be playing two different games of Boo-Ray at once. I'll guess uh, Rondo, who he calls Doe. Is it Rondo? That's correct. Never play with Doe. <laughs> Doe. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like in this book too, you have to like remember like what his like nicknames for the players were because they won't put them in like parentheses afterwards. Like he calls uh, Chauncey Bill shot. Yeah, because his nickname just, was you just a big shot. He's you just have to know that throughout the rest of the game, which it's kind of hard because at some points I had myself. Uh, I, I, he said shot, and I was like, oh, is that Paul Pierce? And I was like, oh no, it's yeah. Chauncey Billups. He calls <laughs> Paul Pierce P. <laughs> yeah, you have to keep them straight. Which brings us to our next question. We know Glenn Davis's Big Baby. What was KG's nickname for Big Baby Glenn Davis? Ooh, I don't remember. Big Baby. What did he call him? Something. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember this one at all. What, what was it? He calls him Funk. 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 Young Funk right there from LSU. All right, Neil. One, one last question for you. KG had excellent footwork as a defender. He attributed his great footwork to two childhood hobbies. Can you name one of the two childhood hobbies that gave him good footwork? I remember this. What was it, though? He was, um, he had good footwork because of, oh, I'm going to kick myself. I can't remember. Something from his childhood, you said? Yep. Two different hobbies he had. Um, it wasn't like soccer or like dancing, I don't think. I really don't think it was dancing. Well, maybe. Maybe it was dancing. Um, I can't remember what kind of like dancing he did. Dang it. I don't remember. He wasn't like a break dancer or anything like that or uh, like a swing dancer. I can't remember. What was it? Remind me. They, the hobbies were skateboarding. He talked about oh, his board and how he would board yeah. around town. I love the idea of like KG <laughs> as like an 80s skateboarder. Yeah. You know? Huge gangly Just dude. Thrasher. Like a punk kid. It's fun to think about KG and his skateboard. And he also talked about breakdancing. He would use okay. to dig out cardboard boxes from garbage dumpsters and then would take them to school and breakdance. Very nice. That makes a lot of sense. KG the breakdancer, KG the skater. There he goes. Two, a couple other things that you probably wouldn't think of when you think of uh, Kevin Garnett, you know, NBA superstar right there. So That's why you got to check out the book, everyone. There KG you go. Check it out. There you go. Right there. Awesome. Good game. We, uh, we tied it into the book review. But yeah, we're winding up uh, this season. Probably have uh, just a few more podcasts for you, obviously next week. And then uh, the week after that, will be uh, the season will be over. So that might be our uh, season review uh, for the for the year here for the Timberwolves. And then, hey, we're right into Link season, Scott. Link season starts a week from uh, week from Friday here. I so, cannot uh, wait. I am so yes. excited about this year's Lynx team. And you know yeah. what? Minnesota needs a team that wins games. So. <laughs> Let's go. I think the Wild did pretty well this season. I'm not yeah. going to try and hate, but, uh, you know. 
That's right. So if uh, the Twins are disappointing you, they'll make the Lynx your summer team. Uh, I can't wait. Everybody. I can't wait for the Lynx. This squad's <laughs> going to be so good. I love this team. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. But, yeah, we'll be with you here for another few more episodes of Wolves Cast. We appreciate everybody listening and hanging in to the bitter end. But, hey, things are getting better. Wolves are actually uh, winning some games here. So it'll be interesting to see how they finish out, how the race to the bottom wraps up. And it uh, should be good. But, Scott, thanks for uh, hanging in and doing the remote uh, recording here and uh, hanging on to the puppy. I hope uh, hope Piper's, uh, uh, you know, she had a little surgery for getting spayed. Hopefully she heals up quickly. If her mischievous behavior during this podcast is any indication, she's feeling way better <laughs> already because she's back to her normal mischievous puppy self. Thanks, everybody, for listening to my puppy. I'm sure you've heard her a few times. Her name's Piper, and uh, she means the best. Yes. She's naughty, but she means well. Oh, we love Piper on this podcast and Josie and all the dogs of Wolvescast, everybody. But yeah, thanks for listening to us. We'll be back uh, next week with another episode of Wolvescast. We'll talk to you then. Goodbye. Cat right down the middle. <laughs> right on wigs, too. Welcome back to Minnesota, <laughs> oh, Andrew. Man.